and welcome to Every Horror Movie on Netflix, the show where we watch and review and discuss every horror movie on Netflix. Back again, it's me, Chris, and I'm here with Patrick. Hello. And I'm here with Steven. Hey guys, Happy New Year. Happy and New Year. Ha- oh yeah, Happy New Year. And, and to bring in this new baby of a year today, we are watching and discussing 122, an Egyptian film. But before we do that... As always, we like to talk a little bit about whatever horror media we've been consuming elsewhere. So it hasn't been that long since we last met, but uh, what do you guys got? Have you been watching, reading, doing anything interesting, spooky? Well, I went on that kind of year-end blitz um, that I discussed on our Twitter space episode, our year-end review. And so I haven't really been watching a lot of movies, but I did finally finish a book. Um yeah, it is called A Cosmology of Monsters by Sean Hamill. I believe this came out in 2019. Cosmetology of Monsters. A Cosmology of Monsters. Wow. And uh, this was kind of an acclaimed book. It's got a kind of striking cover. I remember hearing a lot of ads for it on podcasts and that sort of thing. Um, and I'll say that I try not to bring up stuff in this space on the show that I wouldn't recommend to at least someone. Like, I tend to be kind of negative on our uh, the movies we have to watch for the show often, but this is where I try to be at least relatively positive. And this is a book I would give a cue it to. I think it's for, not for me, but I think it would be for some of our listeners. And it's essentially a, a family drama that involves a decades-long running haunted house attraction uh, that... Uh, as the title would suggest, includes monsters and does also include some monster sex that is um, potentially problematic, depending on how you look at it. Um, but it's an, it's an interesting book, kind of like a portrait of like a middle American family dealing with a lot of mental illness and grief while trying to hold things together and keep this family business of a haunted house running after the patriarch dies and all of the, the sort of ways their lives kind of untangle in the years afterward. Um, so that's A Cosmology of Monsters by Sean mm-hmm. Hamill. Were you drawn to this because of your love of haunted houses and haunted attractions and the fun house? No, actually, but it did prove to be some good research for my unauthorized Funhouse remake that may still happen someday. We'll Mm. see. What about you guys? What have you been ingesting horror-wise? Well, I want to learn about the cosmetology of monsters because sometimes sometimes you see a werewolf and his hair is perfect, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And he's been looking for a place called Leho Fooks. It does get into that a little bit. There's a lot of kind of backstage costuming sort of drama in this as well. So it could be up your alley. Hmm. Um, I actually have some news. I think I mentioned, maybe I mentioned many episodes ago that I had started the video game Control, which comes highly recommended by a lot of people, but I had a real hard time getting into it. I started it. I stopped it. I started it. I stopped it. I played Alan Wake, which is the same studio's previous effort and was a little bit underwhelmed, but um, I finally got back into Control and after about eight to ten hours, Uh, I fell absolutely in love with it and I can't get enough of it and I finished the main story and there's all sorts of side missions and I'm going to do them all. Um, I didn't know you were playing Control. I've been wanting to play that for a while. Yeah, you own it, don't you? No, I don't. Didn't you say you watched Cecilio play that at some point? 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. For, that's where it came up. Yeah, I got it for computer, but I don't have a computer that's capable of playing it. <laughs> I, I got it on like a Thanksgiving sale or something and got super excited about it because I thought I could play it on my PlayStation, but no dice. Is that um, the game? Just to make sure I'm picturing the right thing. I, I seem to remember some screen caps where there's just like people kind of hanging suspended in the air and stuff. Yeah. Okay, that's the one. Yeah, and you know, it doesn't, I haven't seen a lot of discussion of this game in the horror community or the horror games community even, but it is pretty frightening and it's certainly scarier than Alan Wake, which is generally regarded as like a horror themed game. Right. Um, and I mean, the basic premise is you're, you're in this, this, uh, government agency, which is sort of like if the X-Files had its, you know, ho- own, like department within the government and they investigate strange happenings and, and freakish events and objects and things like that. And the scariest stuff for me is you see these memos and, and the game kind of has its head up its own ass with the lore a bit, but, um, by the end of the game, I couldn't get enough lore. Um, but you'll read a memo and it'll just be like a, like just a eerie story about like usually centering around an object or an event or um, like a spooky one I saw last night was uh, a moon mission. Apollo 14 went up and it came back with four astronauts instead of three. And they all swore that the fourth guy had always been there. But then they like took him into custody and x-rayed his suit and there's no one inside. And now they have the suit, you know, in custody. Um Oh, Just that sounds cool. Stuff. Like, I, I have to say, I, I'm i a big Bioshock fan, but one yeah. thing I hate about those games is, like, just the, that, like, all of the story information, at least as far as I remember, is conveyed through, like, audio recordings and, like, little notepads that you pick up and shit. And I found it to be kind of tedious. Mm. Um, does this game kind bit. of flip the script on that? Is it more yeah. interesting than, than what you get with Bioshock? You have to you have to develop a sense of what's worth your time reading and what's not. Um, and, and all the little the little memos that read like little short horror stories are worth your time especially i was very pleasantly surprised when later in the game i got into a like a containment area where they were keeping some of these cursed objects that i had only read about and so i'm like walking by a cell and they don't even draw your attention to it but i look and i'm like oh fuck that's that's that thing I read about. <laughs> um so it's good. It's spooky. And um, it also like contains an extremely long side mission, which is like basically a sequel to Alan Wake and ties up loose ends from Alan Wake. So I'm uh, even as much as I didn't like Alan Wake that much. It's it's uh, certainly pays off to have played that. Um, but no, love it. Can't recommend it enough. That sounds great. Yes. Patrick, do you have anything? Not really. I haven't really been doing any horror things uh, in the new year. So. I do want to take a minute, though, to uh, recognize a former Amon guest in front of all three of us, Bill, who the audience may remember from uh, our Resident Evil Afterlife episode. Uh, Bill passed away a couple weeks ago, so pour one out for a real one. Good friend of us and good friend to the show. Good friend to movies, good friend to horror. A legend. Bill was truly a legend and I think kind of a low-key mentor for me. And I'm so glad we actually had the opportunity to have him on the show at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely a, a high-key mentor for me and uh, yeah, someone I'm going to miss quite a bit. So the, I'm sure the he was on the, only on the show once, but I'm sure the hardcore fans will remember his, uh, his well-placed quips on the Resident Evil Afterlife app. And, and you are wearing one of his shirts, I believe, right now. 
Oh, no, actually, well, I, I, I purchased this shirt. I'm wearing my Nicholas Uncaged shirt, which I purchased at the event Nicholas Uncaged, which is a Nicholas Cage film festival that happens every year in Hamtramck, which I did attend with Bill. And we went to an extremely raucous screen, screening of uh, Wild at Heart. Saw a talent show with a bunch of Nicholas Cage themed performances uh, <laughs> in the middle. And uh, yeah, just uh, one of one of many, many uh memorable pop culture experiences I had with the man. So it really is like the most bill sounding event ever. (laughs) It it really was. He was a big fan of of Nick Cage. And, and not only was he such an enthusiast for, for movies and, and pop culture and media in general, but he was such a strong supporter of all the weird and stupid projects that we've done, including <laughs> yeah, the horror movie on Netflix, um, including a, a movie. You know, sometimes Patrick and I refer to a movie that we, you know, almost finished or half shot or whatever. And he was instrumental and, and really gave gave a lot of himself to uh helping us put that together or almost put that together um and so even if he was only on one episode he kind of has helped us a lot in our little uh creative careers so he'll be missed for sure he he will always loom very large in all of our lives i think and had a hell of a horror collection too i mean i've only been to this place once shockingly but i remember he had a um in his uh his clutter room he had a legendary splatterpunk anthology that i that i was dying to read and also the man owned the car and uh from beyond on blu-ray so what more can you really say? He, he was a, he was a horror fan, too. I did. I did snag a couple of uh, little inheritances from his collection, which include a Cheddar Goblin Funko Pop from the movie Mandy, the Blu-ray of Mandy itself and the director's cut of Midsommar on Blu-ray, which I I mean, y'all know I'm a Midsommar stan. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing that it's a handsome presentation as well. I would watch that with you, actually. Like, it's been enough time since I saw that movie that I think I'm ready to to give it fresh eyes. Mm, Let's do it. Well, on a a happier note, um, since the last episode, I got COVID, but I beat COVID. Um, (laughs) But however, I'm feeling fine, 100%. However, I was not able to stay out of the hospital for this week's episode. (laughs) One You know, I was thinking to you guys, like both of you have spent more time in hospitals during the past year or two than I probably ever have in my life. And yeah. I, I just I, I felt some uh, yeah, I felt connected to y'all during this one. Well, yeah. I, I mean, University of Michigan Hospital doesn't have a lot in common with the hospital in this film. <laughs> I mean, in my experience, it does. But we'll get into that another time. Maybe I've had some horrific experiences there. So 122 it is a film, as we mentioned, from Egypt. Uh, I think 2019, was it? Yeah, mm-hmm. pretty recent. Right. Um, and it was apparently very successful in Egypt. Um, it, it might be another one, another case of uh, movies of a, of a, you know, sort of a fledgling film industry where they don't have a whole bunch of, uh, of, of domestic productions. Um, but well, this is several cuts above grandmother's farm. Let's just get that out of the way. 
Yeah. <laughs> True. Um, and, and 122, if you're wondering, because I was, even after at the end of the movie, I didn't pick up on it, is the Egyptian 911, basically. Oh, that um, happens like in the first two minutes. You see him dial 122 uh, on the on the phone, which which leads me to a question. I mean, I feel like we I feel like the title should be pronounced like 122, right? As opposed to 122. There should be dashes between the numbers. Yeah, <laughs> like 911 on Fox. Dude, 911 on Fox is the best show of all time. Um, Even better but, than Sesame Street. <laughs> not, not, maybe not. Um, but uh, yeah, it's basically the story of a young couple. Um, they are trying to get married, but basically they don't have enough money. Um, and they go on a little trip and get in a car accident. And well, wait, wait, next- wait, 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 wait. They're already married. They eloped. No. Yes. Oh, they elope, but they haven't had an official ceremony. They this is a lot like the Kinks song, uh, "Situation Vacant," where they're trying to please her mother and have an official ceremony, right? right. Oh, yeah. that makes yeah. sense. Their their families don't know that they're married. They already got married, which is why she has a child. But it is moral for her to have had a child. They don't have any moral quandaries about her being pregnant because they're already married. But they're trying to get the money together so that they can have a proper ceremony and please her mom. Right. Yeah. Uh, Meanwhile, that, uh, his mom is treating her like she's subhuman because she's deaf. Yes, she is deaf. She is reliant on a hearing aid for the most part. Um, and so they, that, that I'm glad you you interjected there because that actually fills in a lot of um, questions I had about some minor details in the movie. But they go out on this 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 excursion um, and they get hit by a truck or a bus or something. Uh and they are taken to the hospital and uh, the woman is taken into, you know, sort of the normal like emergency room. And the husband wakes up in uh, the set of Saw 4. Um, <laughs> I, I thought of Saw in this hospital many times. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's in a he's in a morgue that's exclusively lit by like red and blue lights. Everything's dingy. And long story short, it seems like they're planning to just uh sell his organs and they don't really care if he was uh, compromised to a permanent end by the crash or not. Well, here's my question. Why don't they take her down there too? Don't they think he's dead? I think that they think he's dead at first. Oh, there is the toe wiggling scene where you see the tag on the toe and it moves. And I guess Mm -hmm. we're supposed to be surprised by that. Okay. That makes sense. Which Mm -hmm. these are the worst doctors in the fucking world. If they could not establish that this man was not dead. Well, that's the thing. And and here's but like he wakes up and he's immediately like, oh, God, these people are going to kill me. Like there's never a moment where he's like, hey, yo, I'm alive. Excuse me. Like if I woke up in a fucking morgue in a hospital where there was an autopsy going on, on the next table, I'd be like, hey, we got a misunderstanding here. I'm not actually dead. Well, I'm trying to remember. Ex- isn't he chained to the table at that point or is that later? That's later. Oh, okay. She's yeah. chained to the table later. Yeah. Oh. And he's chained later too. Um, yeah. Okay. But, Never mind. But, you know, you, you would expect that the morgue attendant would be like, oh, yeah, cool. We'll put you on the elevator. Sorry about that. Well, maybe they just saw that he checked that box on his driver's license. And yeah. you know. do, not, do not resuscitate <laughs> organ donor. <laughs> um. Yeah, maybe that's why he went down there. He checked the box and she didn't. Um, <laughs> Possible. 
And that's basically your movie. I mean, I mean, the the hows and whys are kind of muddled, but basically, you you have a hospital where there's a doctor with ill intent who's trying to kill this guy so he can sell his organs, and uh, the husband and wife have to find each other and escape. Uh, even though the doctor and his medical minions are in hot pursuit, uh, chasing them through the bowels of the hospital. Well, and notably, they were on their way. Like Nasser, the the male protagonist, had a sort of shady past uh, that it's, he seems to have been involved in, like drugs, drug dealing, something like that. And he's kind of going back to his old ways, working with one of his drug contacts to get them the money that they need for this wedding right. it's like one one last job right one like, last job he yeah. convinces his his uh well i guess wife not wife to be yeah uh that, that this is that that this is the only way to do it and that it's safe and he knows exactly what he's doing and uh it turns out a kid smiles at them at the wrong time while they're driving <laughs> and they just get fucking mm-hmm. smashed Mm-hmm. Right. It kind of puts a moralistic tone over the whole movie, at least for me, because you have they're trying to afford a wedding and he basically takes his whole life savings and decides he's going to not put it on red like I would at the casino, but put it on the street. <laughs> put it on black. <laughs> I, but yeah, I'm referring to a guy who did put his whole life savings on red and there's a YouTube video of it. Oh, you I thought he put it. it on black, too. No, he put it on red and it came up red seven. Oh, okay. <laughs> but uh you know, yeah, he puts all his whole life savings on the street for drugs so he can afford a wedding. And, and, and that's kind of, I guess, why he ends up in this whole situation. That's never mentioned again, but it kind of made this whole thing seem like a morality tale to me. I'm, I'm 100% with you it, it because, yeah, it does feel like, you know, you, you fuck with the devil, you get the horns. Like, mm-hmm. like that, that seems to uh, be a recurring theme throughout the film that like if you're if you're. If you're going to make this kind of sacrifice, you're going to have to pay a price for it. And they pay the ultimate price. Well, almost. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it turns out okay for them. I mean, yeah, not to get in the spoiler room, but this all turns out okay for them. I mean, as far as as far as the action of the film goes, as far as like the second act, like they, they're I think they're both pretty much good as dead as, as far as they're concerned. Um, and yeah. they, but they don't spend any time. That's interesting, Chris. They don't really spend any time like reflecting on the choice that got them there, at least as far as I remember. No. No, I mean, I guess you could sort of read in some things about his, uh, you know, he's certainly, I mean, he's not Jason Statham or anything, but he he certainly is capable of violence and is pretty capable of getting out of a number of scrapes along the way. And I appreciated that he had... You know, he was he was smart. He had a certain degree of physical strength and you had a sense of a guy who was pretty capable and got himself out of gets himself out of a lot of scrapes in this movie and also does some very violent shit. But again, also not like an action hero, like over the top sort of character. He felt like a pretty grounded uh, guy. 100 percent. Um <clears throat> It's interesting. This movie does get into <laughs> does go into like diehard territory at one point, and yeah. as far as like the the scrapes he gets into, um, there's one scene that I found initially kind of fascinating and then ultimately kind of hilarious, where he's like crawling around the ducks trying to escape this evil doctor, and he looks over the edge, like when he reaches the reaches the end of of this series of ducks, and it looks like he's like a hundred floors above a bottomless yeah. pit. And it's 
two floors. <laughs> like, yeah. like he I mean, he's in the basement. Two stories. <laughs> right? He, isn't he in the basement at that point? I think so, yeah. Um, and, and that's kind of the weird, the geography of this hospital is, is perplexing. Uh, we're kind of, we're told like it's a new hospital, but it looks dilapidated as fuck. It looks like an abandoned hospital. Um, and well, there's I, certainly nobody in it. Yeah, there's like fucking five people in this place. Yeah. It's kind of like it, Halloween too in that way. Yeah. They they say yeah. multiple times like oh we you know we just opened like we don't even have a lot of good shit yet but like this place looks like it's been there for three hundred years and it's fallen apart. Um, it doesn't seem like a functional hospital. And well, they pointedly we we learn later they they do not have a morgue because the hospital is so new and they're waiting on the equipment to arrive, which right. you know is like played tongue in cheek, but it's also kind of hilarious that you like built a hospital without any place to put the dead body. Right. Well, I mean, they do have a have a morgue, but they don't want anyone to know about it. And I, I don't know if it's an on the books morgue or, an, you know, that they use for evil or if it's completely off the books. But there's a lot of stuff that's just not really that's kind of left to your imagination. And, you know, maybe some of it, because, again, we're in we're in Egyptian um, it, or it's an Arabic language film and the subtitles, I don't think are extremely great for us so i think we're probably missing a few nuances maybe some things that would answer some of these questions but um well, you just it, gotta kind of i i kind of just enjoy this as like okay spooky hospital i don't care why it's here crazy doctor and it's die hard <laughs> that's all i needed <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's also like, you know, I was thinking about this is an extraordinarily difficult hospital to get out of. You know, it's not like it's being guarded by armed guards or something like multiple times. I was like, okay, there's got to be a door somewhere that they can just walk out of. You know, they can't be that trapped here. But I mean, like you said, Chris, I there's almost a certain heightened reality to it that I ended up just accepting. I'm like. Sure, there's an evil doctor who's running a fucking organ farm in the basement that they need to escape from. I don't know. There was just something about the tone of it. And I think also the the, the characters. I was relatively charmed by the characters. And I was more or less just along for the ride. I, was, I, I mean, I kept thinking of like, that doesn't really make sense. That doesn't really make sense. I don't care, though. You know? Yeah. Well, I, like I kept wondering during this film, and I was I was really hoping to have time to do research, and I just didn't. Um... But I did kind of appreciate the outlandishness of the plot of this movie. It reminded me a lot of kind of some of the trashier stuff that I love from the 80s, where it's like, well, to bring it back to to the Funhouse and Toby Hooper, that might have been a pre-podcast conversation. But like, that's a movie where there's like a whole underground world beneath this portable attraction this portable carnival attraction and you just kind of accept it like oh yeah of course there's a bunch of fans and things moving around down there and this is this movie felt a lot like that where like i wasn't really begging for an explanation i was more reveling in this weirdly twilight zoney creepy setup and Mm -hmm. setting right and i think it helps that basically as soon as you get to the hospital after the accident, like, you know, probably 20 minutes into the movie or something, you're almost immediately in the (laughs) subterranean organ farm in the, in the basement of the hospital. And it's just like, this is how it works. Deal with it. You know, you're immediately just introduced to this sort of weird and not entirely, uh, plausible world. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, the the movie, frankly, um, starts in media res. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because we get like 90 seconds of our guy running through the halls of this dingy hospital, which doesn't happen uh, until later. But um, I, I could have really done liked, without that. I really like the early moments in the hospital when the wife is uh, just having issues with the bureaucracy. And she's like, I just woke up from a coma or whatever. Where's my husband? I have a husband. Is he alive? Is he dead? And everyone's like, hold on. Let's, let's, you know, it's as they're like, let's, let's check this. Let's do that. Let's, and then no one wants to respond to emergency needs. And, and then it's like, they always shift. She's like, no, wait, I need my hearing aid. And they're like, wait, did you say you had a husband? And it's like, it's a very frustrating thing where she's got like two or three urgent, immediate concerns and nobody wants to, uh, uh, address them and it's it's a very subtle thing where it's like are these people all fucking evil or is this just incompetent bureaucracy i love that stuff and i i did get into a horrific thankfully non-fatal car accident a couple years ago and i lost my glasses during the process of it so i kept thinking about that experience the whole time watching this movie because Mm. effectively the same thing happens to this character except she's not only lost her hearing aid so she can't hear what's going on around her and none of these people know sign language very Mm -hmm. well at least um but she's also lost her partner and Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think this movie did a really good job of like capturing just the sort of uh, um, the helplessness of that sort mm-hmm. of scenario. Yeah. And I mean, it almost creates a context in which you're like, oh, OK, I see how this evil doctor could exist in this world if the, the bureaucracy around him is this inept essentially you know and i loved i mean i talked already about how i liked the the two protagonists but i loved the evil doctor like, oh my he god was, he was played with just the right he there was just a really nice balance between reality and a little little camp little extra over the top i just i, I loved that performance and that character quite a bit he was extremely easy to hate when he's kind of laying out her options and like trying to help her, like I believed him. I did not know he was going to wind up to be an evil doctor. Yeah. I thought it was a little odd that he was like kind of trying to hold her back. And, you know, it seemed like he wasn't being totally forthcoming, but he was very charming and seemed to be doing like a pretty professional job of it. And he just kind of gradually turns into, um, Patrick Wilson. Patrick Wilson. Yes. Thank yeah. you. That's what I was trying to think of. He gradually turns into Patrick Wilson. And once he, once he lights up a cig, I'm like, all right, yeah, <laughs> that's our bad right. guy. <laughs> and, and they don't reveal until almost the end of the movie uh, that he's wearing Crocs the whole time. Oh. The doctor, I missed yes, that. That's right. <laughs> oh, that's a dead giveaway. I, I, mean, I noticed that, but I didn't quite clock it as uh, noteworthy. It's hilarious. I mean, because doctors and nurses wear Crocs all the time, even though they're they're hideous. Um, and and it is just a kind of a kind of a, a high suspense moment where someone's hiding under a bed and like you see his feet come in and there he's wearing Crocs. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, no, he he was great, Doctor Nabil. Doctor Nabil. I would, you know what? Even having seen this, I would schedule an appointment with Doctor Nabil. He's I, an early, early 2022 Spirit of Jay. I was about me. to say that. I was just about to say that. 
fuck this whole concept that the spirit of Jay has to have an air of nobility about it. You just, I want to see more of Dr. Nabil. I want to hate the motherfucker some more. Yeah, that actor is wonderful. I have to look him he up was and great. see what else he's in. I was going to say also, it's a, it's a quite competently made movie. You know, it looks mm-hmm. decent, um, decently shot, decently edited. Generally just a solid, solid fucking flick. I, I, guys, I liked this movie. <laughs> oh, I mean, I was going to wait until the spoiler room because, like, the, the the third act was where I this really solidified for me. But I am a one-two-two stan. Like, I finished oh. this movie and I was like, I love this. I wow. had a fucking. So, I, was I kind of flipped was, at the ending, but like for the most part, this was like, yeah, like you said, it's really well acted. It's very well directed. It's got kind of a, you know, it's got a look to it. Not terribly unique, but it's consistent. Um, it's it's appropriately stressful at times. I I, I thought this was a a very high cut above what we usually get from our just kind of random Netflix films. I was rock and rolling during the end of this. I was screaming. I addressed the screen. Like Were you really? Three different, oh, yeah. I, I, I uttered out loud commentary on what was going on three different times in the third act. I did scream for a full minute at one point in this movie. Maybe wow. we'll get to that in the spoiler <laughs> Well, what the fuck, guys? Would you view it curious? Yeah, we're, it? we are reviewing it right now. <laughs> I mean, I just said I'm a stand, so clearly I'm a view it. I don't, I don't have anything else to say. I pretty much uh, said everything I have to say just now. I, I had a damn good time with this. I don't have anything else to say either. I mean, I'll, I will give it a cue it, um, and not not a full view it. But yeah, I, I don't know. There was a there was a lot to like about this movie, and part of it could just be that like I'm a little bit anxious about beginning a new year with the podcast and trying to set the tone, and I want to be more positive and more generous <laughs> this year. But this movie didn't make me have to work to be either of those things. So props for that. I give yeah. it a cue it. I mean, also, can we just recognize the fact that we watched 122 in 122? Holy <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, my God. Yeah. I didn't even notice that. We should wait to release this episode until 122.22. Oh, my God. No, I don't want to get off schedule, but that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. Chris, what's your review? I'm going to give it a cue it. I wasn't quite as enthralled with it as you two seem, uh, but it was competent. And there's a lot of uh, fun stuff. It, it doesn't get boring, which is, I think, the biggest crime of most of the movies we watch on Netflix is they just get slow and boring. Um, and I mean, you can nitpick this movie all day. Basically, the heroes and the villains all make stupid decisions in every scene. <laughs> but, you know, it's fun. It's it, it, the cat and mouse through the hospital is entertaining. And if if you want to just put on a, a movie at night and see some gore and see some fun stuff and have a little bit of suspense, you know, you could do a lot worse. So I will give it a cue. It, um, it wouldn't go much higher than that, though. <laughs> well, in a minute, we're going to go down to the spoiler room and on our way down there we're going to dial 122 and find out where you know what happens if you do that in the states but in the meantime also dial 122 on your phone but also use your phone to go to amoncast e-h-m-o-n cast and all your social media platforms and follow us uh we'd love to see your likes your shares your follows your retweets your comments 
Uh, and we also love it when you go to our website, everyhorrormovieonnetflix.com. Check out the list of every movie we've ever seen there. Check out whether or not Chris has fixed the broken website. Check out the merch store where you can get shirts and other bullshit with Amon art on it. And finally, go to your podcast provider of choice. Leave us a review. Uh, leave us a rating. It helps people find the show. Thank you. Well said. Well said. All right. Well, we're going to take the elevator down to the dilapidated basement morgue, spoiler morgue. And we are going to see how many spoilers we can pull out of this fucking corpse and sell on the black market. Hell yeah. All right. Well, we'll, we'll see you in just a few seconds to spoil everything. Welcome back. We are down here in the spoiler morgue, ready to spoil everything about one, two, two. Whose organs get taken? Whose don't? Who lives? Who dies? Man, a lot it of was, shit goes down. It was down. extremely emotional for me when Nasser and Omnia, I think her name was, finally got reunited. It was, it was, it felt like it had been an odyssey for them to get back together. And once they were together, they were a pretty effective team. And I was like, all it's like right, the Matrix Resurrections. I'm rooting for you. Cause <laughs> earlier in the, earlier in the movie, they had been like, they'd been fighting a little bit about, you know, this whole wedding thing and all the strife in their family. And you're a little worried about them. You don't quite know what the tenor of their relationship is. And then when like they're under the gun and they got to, you know, fight for their lives, you realize, oh, these are two people who know each other pretty well and can work together pretty well. I liked that. I like a good separation thriller. Mm. And over the holiday break, I lost my cat, Dr. Boots, for a full day. Oh, my God. I thought you were going to say I lost my cat, Dr. Boots. And I was like, fuck, Boots died. No, I, I, uh, she escaped from me for a full day and I was beside myself. I mean, I didn't text anybody. Like I was just like pulling out all the stops, all every resource I could think of calling every, you know, every cat clinic and vet in town, like keep an eye out for her, sending pictures, designing posters. And it was so hard for me. Um, and this movie <laughs> weirdly reminded me a lot of that, that sort of stress of like, Oh fuck! Like, is he okay? Is he alive? How do I get a hold of him? Like, have has he been checked? Like, he got into this accident with me. Has he been checked into a different hospital? And maybe they they're taking care of him. Uh, really, kind of relatable and nightmarish for me. Mm-hmm. But they get the you know they get one over on the doctor. Eventually, uh, Nasser pretty brutally like just slams. It's like a two by four with a nail in it or something into the doctor's face and then just pummels him, just beats the shit out of him repeatedly for a while. His wife has to say, no, 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 that's enough. He's dead already. And he keeps going. He keeps going. This is after the doctor goes very Patrick Wilson indeed and basically like kills his own hospital staff because they ask too many questions about why he's running around like Patrick Wilson, Mm -hmm. Um, which is, again, I just don't understand what the, 
<laughs> I'm fascinated. I would like the conspiracy to be padded out a little bit more. <laughs> a lot of violence um, against nurses in this movie. Omnia yeah. also winds up quite brutally dispatching a nurse who's working with Nabil and is trying to yeah. imprison her and pull the wool over her eyes. We got a we got a shortage already. We don't we don't need. We this. can't go killing nurses even if they're evil nurses. No. Well, when when our protagonist female protagonist kills that nurse or like br- like brutalizes her against the fucking uh, safety rail in the bathroom, I that's when I was screaming for a full minute. Like that I felt like extreme. that that just went like <laughs> so hilariously far. But also it worked because I hated that character. And that character was awful and had ill intent toward mm-hmm. our our protagonist, so it was well deserved. But oh my from the God, beginning, so from brutal. the beginning, that this yeah. nurse is kind of just difficult early on in the medical setting. Right. It's like, is it bureaucracy or is it you know something deeper? And then in the crisis setting, it seems like she's going to have a turn and become a, a reluctant ally and, and maybe help save the day. But no, she's in on it, too. Well, she um, calls what she calls one, two, two. But it turns out she's talking to the evil doctor the whole time yeah, and she, alerting him to where they're located. Yeah, she pretends to call one, two, two. Um, yeah. But no, she's in on it, too. And she's got all kinds of pictures of her and the doctor being cute on her phone. <laughs> Uh, I don't remember that. Part. You don't remember that? No, I, I must have missed that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because our hero, our heroine, finds the phone and realizes that she didn't call 122. And then the nurse takes the phone back and she's looking at her own phone. And there's all these like pictures of them as if they're a couple. Um, ah. Yeah, so a little, little, a little bit of intrigue. I mean, the, the doctor's got his own problems, too. He's got a he's got a woman who he has a child with who sounds like maybe, you know, he's got child support issues. Um, th- there's some issues. With, you know, he's on the phone with her. She doesn't want anything to do with him. He, she wants to take him to court. Um, so maybe that speaks to motive. Maybe maybe that's why he's stealing livers. Okay, I was I was gonna say. I mean, I like w- my big question during this is like, what, like, why, why is this happening? Like, is there something why? like political I'm missing or student cultural loans. I'm missing? Student <laughs> loans, man. There we go. <laughs> I thought it was just greed. Yeah, I don't know greed, and it's, it's impossible for me to parse the. Po- I mean, I'm, I I would I love to parse the politics, uh, real or imagined, in every movie we watch. But when it comes to Egypt, I don't really know what uh, sort of political message could be in the movie. Uh, sure, doing research, but yeah, I I would agree with Patrick that the doctor is just motivated by greed, and you know, that's that remorseless killer. Right on. But yeah, Nasser beats the living hell out of him, and they get away. But he wakes it's not up. over. It's not <laughs> over. Nasser starts bleeding profusely from the mouth, spitting up blood. Their car crashes, and well, then well, well the, the doctor comes back to life after the savage beatdown, where the heroine said, "Leave him alone. He's he's been hurt. He's you killed him already." Well, he Leave does, but you don't realize that until yeah. no, he shows real- up. Well, he shows up and he shoots at the fleeing car because they they steal the doctor's car and the doctor's car won't start, which I thought was a clever setup and payoff because um, at the beginning of the movie, um, Nasser is almost saved by the morgue attendant who doesn't actually want to kill him and steal his organs. 
He's almost saved, but the doctor who was going to leave can't start his car. So the doctor comes back and catches him mid-escape. So that's where it all starts to go wrong. Then at the end, after they presumably kill the doctor, they get into the doctor's car and it won't start because it's the doctor's car. We know from the beginning it doesn't start. Thought that was great. Then the doctor does Michael Myers and comes back. The doctor shoots at them in the fleeing car and that's how Nasser gets it. And that's why he spits up the blood. I completely missed that. Wow. I guess I, I guess I tuned out for some reason. I must have been looking at my phone. I must have been. <laughs> you should be both, was, buddy. Was too busy, really? too busy scrolling. Yeah, because when he showed back up, well, and this is where I screamed. Actually, it contributed to my enjoyment of the film because he's just <laughs> in an ambulance all of a sudden, shows back up, and I'm like, I was just like this motherfucker you thought he was like the undertaker like like he gets killed or whatever or not even the undertaker but any wwe star who like gets <laughs> killed and then they're like why is there an ambulance coming into the arena <laughs> <laughs> um, i mean he does some pretty wwe shit too because they drive past her they realize it's her and then he just full speed backs up into her and smashes into her oh yeah that I was the was second gonna... that was the second time i screamed during this yeah, yeah, definitely. I thought this was gonna have a real downer ending. It's it's cute. It was in peril from me. Um, right. Yeah. I, I thought it was gonna have a real mean spirited ending because Nasser presumably dies from gunshot wounds yes. in the car. The car goes off the road, and then our heroine escapes and is walking through the desert. Our the pregnant heroine is like brutally hit po- by a car possibly like, still pregnant heroin walking through yeah the desert. yeah <laughs> and and then they start backfilling in like the character development because we didn't really give I, I didn't care that much about the relationship so like as she's walking through the desert it's like that dead guy you know here's how they met that dead guy here's when they said i love you that dead guy he was a good guy and they show you some flashbacks that are kind of funny and uh then yeah you think she's gonna maybe get away but then yeah deus ex machina ambulance ride and the the evil doctor says hold on a second we're gonna back over this woman the late game flashbacks were also in almost any other movie i'd be like this is so silly and maudlin like why are they showing me this right now but i was i was just eating it up i was lapping up the dog food like give me the the sweet dopey like how they met and how he learned to say i love you to her in sign language for the first time i was like yep Oh, I was tearing up the whole time. I loved it. It's all good. I mean, there's there's a dash of melodrama in this movie. And I oh, liked yeah. It. Oh, yeah. Which is a problem with a lot of these Netflix movies that we've never heard of, like regardless of country of origin or like like or, or a subgenre or whatever. There's so many of these like cheapy movies that are melodramatic and like that's the hook. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't the case for this movie. It had so much more going on that it allowed me to invest myself in these characters and buy that 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 moment, that dog food moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought it was great. Yeah. Good dog food. But yeah, they get back to the hospital. They throw uh, our, our heroine's limp body into the back of the hospital. And they're like, all right, well, now we're stealing this woman's organs for damn sure. Yeah. Omnia is chained to the table. They're going to take her liver or whatever the fuck the, out. The doctor has a new heavy that we have not seen before in the entire movie. Who is like twice yeah. the well, size right. of anyone else in the movie. Who Dr. Nabil and Ahmad, I think his name is, are yeah, like Ahmad. arguing about what to do with 
the money the doctor's like ready to get out of the country and he just wants the he just wants a mod to like finish the job and Ahmad's trying to like make a deal for some some money get something out of this for him he goes out to the ambulance to talk, talk to, to his friend on buyer. the phone talk to i think he's trying to strike out on his own so oh, he's like oh yeah i'm he's the, trying to cut we, a deal i got the stuff don't worry the doctor's doing the thing i got the stuff you need and suddenly Nasser, this is Agent another 47. screaming moment for me. Nasser just jumps out of the fu- out of the window of the ambulance and starts strangling Ahmad from behind with a piece of wire or something, which is my number one question about the whole fucking movie. And I and I don't care if there is no answer because I still love this. How the fuck did Nasser get in the ambulance? How did he get I don't know either, dude. I love that moment, but I was so perplexed. And again, I I did finish this movie about five minutes before we started recording, so I haven't had time to process it. But I was like, did I miss like a whole act? No, 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 no. Very simple. He he. You don't see it, but he's he and clearly... also we should point out he's completely physically fit, seemingly for the rest of the movie. Like not. Yeah no no effects of having been shot well like he's done that before because like when he was in the hospital <laughs> yeah. he was like barely able to move and he was like ah the car crash and then after about five <laughs> minutes he was like oh i can i can do pull-ups i can do do uh do what's the thing that's harder than the pull-up muscle-ups i can do muscle-ups i can do pull-ups i can do everything and he fell a hole to like stories and hurt himself and then was fine able to I like through events I and like, everything i like the fights that that he and the doctor had especially when they were on the ground and like they're trying to stab each other and then like nostril be on, yeah they'll be like hand on hand and then nostril will be like it'll be two hands on two hands and then nostril will like get up and put his entire body weight down the doctor's arm love that shit that was mm-hmm. well choreographed um I mean, I guess maybe he drove the car back. I don't know. It's just it's uh, it makes no sense. It really, it makes no up. sense. I think he I think he came to and just started walking back to the hospital. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, whatever. I did not care because it was extremely yeah. satisfying to see him strangle Ahmad, go back down to the organ fucking warehouse very cleverly non-verbally communicate with Omnia to grab a, a scalpel to stab Dr. Nabil in the leg. Dr. Nabil gets stabbed to death finally in the heart. It was great. It was great. I loved it. And then they, they get away on a truck. good organs in his body on the floor. They do. And then they get away in a truck and they've got a duffel bag full of all the money from the organs. They got the money that they needed. And I was just like, hell, yes, you did. It was a great ending to the movie. I loved it. That, was the, that was the third time I think I yelled at the scream. Mm-hmm. What's the moral here? Because we did talk about this being a, a kind of a, an oddly moralistic picture. I don't really I think don't it's know. all that moralistic other than there. there's some morals in there about it's good that they were married before they had a kid. Like the movie is very careful to point out that they did not have a child out of wedlock. But other than they that, did. I think it's not actually all that moralistic because they just steal a fuck ton of money. I mean, they steal it from bad people, but yeah, but that's that's tainted money. That's... But that was, and it was a plan to begin with. I mean, like that's not how they planned to get that money, but like they were going to get that money through like an evil path whatever they did they're gonna be twice as rich now because because they're the cousin's gonna get the money off the streets and and then yeah i don't i know. mean maybe i wasn't actually supposed to be excited that they got the money maybe i was like maybe i was supposed to be like fuck 
they just got themselves in so much. No, deeper. you're supposed to be. I think you're supposed to be thrilled for them because I, was, I, was I mean, they went in like they were making they were like kind of making a deal with the devil to begin with by getting the money through the drug trade after he had sworn off of it. And they probably get more money than they would have otherwise, but they had to suffer for it. Yeah. They yeah. had to suffer for it. And and I was, you know, in all these movies, I'm always like, are the police going to understand what happened here? Or are they going to think this guy just killed the entire staff of a... <laughs> There's no police. Don't worry about it. There are police, though. We saw them. We they did show see up. two police. That's in, a in, great in, scene, too, where Nabil is just, like, misleading the police. Yeah, in my favorite section of this movie, probably, police come to the hospital. Um, by coincidence, people have been trying to call the police all movie, but when they finally show up, they're there because down at the station, some guys got food poisoning and they want to <laughs> call for a doctor. Um, and these two cops alternate between being completely paranoid about everything and completely oblivious to everything. Yeah, they drive, they drive on... down to the hospital to see if one of the two doctors is there. Yeah, to, to, depending on, on what the what the current 20 seconds span of the movie requires. They either are checking out everything or they're checking out nothing. Or they're, <laughs> they're watching the game on their phone. Um, but I, I did enjoy that stuff. It was always, you know, it's always good when you have those scenes where it's like, Oh, here's the guy who's going to save the day. And Oh, the, the hostage can't, can't reach the, the savior. Good stuff. Oh, good stuff. But yeah, they'll come back. They'll come back and be like, you know what? We were here two hours ago. Dr. Nabil seemed like a really cool guy. And now he's dead. And you have a duffel bag of his money. Um, Did you guys also notice the title like logo for this movie has like the sign language for I love you in it? Oh, I did. That was great. That was I great. did. It was weirdly cropped, but I could tell what it was supposed to be. Is that I love you in ASL too? Were they Were they speaking ASL? I have no idea. Because I was thinking about that. I was like, ASL is American Sign Language, and I don't actually know how widely ASL is used. I had this internal debate, too. I assume it's not American Sign Language, but I think, like, I, yeah, I don't know. I'd love to know that I, this movie made, made me want to go on a deep dive about the history of sign language and, mm. like, what signs are used in other languages and how compatible they are. But that is one that I know because I find it hilarious that it's also, like, the devil horns. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, ASL, I think, is pretty widely used outside America, but it is called American Sign Language, so I assume there have to be variants. It can't be the only sign language that I mean, use. you know, sometimes countries like America just uh, export their ideas around the world, whether they want them or not. Well, I hear Chris typing, looking for an answer. Um, well, I, I, um, I like my the favorite um, thing to edit out of Amon episodes is <laughs> Chris typing. I like the theme song, or the 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 song at the end of this this movie on the on the credits was one of the most beautiful songs I've ever heard in my life. Oh, I don't wow. recall it. Okay. Yeah, I don't think well, I stuck around for that. I only got to listen to fucking like forty seconds of it though, because then it was like, would you like to watch a random scene from Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark with the sound up? <laughs> Um, oh i am excited that that is on netflix now i think i'm gonna watch it have you seen I, it before i've not seen it oh okay i i watched it and i i i remember it being so dark it was impossible to tell what the fuck was going on i don't know if that was a problem with how i watched it on voodoo or if that's just how it fucking is i was pretty lukewarm on that shit um but Saw i think that, that does the it for 122 right yeah, yeah, I think so. What else do we need to talk about? We talked about the Crocs. 
We talked about uh, the the guy getting strangled at the end. Mm-hmm. We talked about the vent. We talked about the elevator. We talked about sign language. We talked about. <laughs> Do you have a list? <laughs> yeah. Why are you recapping this right now? <laughs> I mean that that's your movie. We hit the broad. We hit the important points, right? <laughs> I think we should have Chris do a recap at the beginning of every Avon episode for like what happened the episode before. <laughs> Previously, I need like a PowerPoint Avon. of the bullet points we need to get through for each episode. I think <laughs> that would be helpful. Um, so what the fuck are we watching next time, guys? I'm so excited. It's 2022. It's a new year. Well, we got off. To, I think we got off not on a great it footing. Was. Yeah, it's not as new as it was this episode. I mean, it's new enough for me. Yeah. I'm trying to be optimistic here. Could be new. Could be new. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Well, it's Patrick's oh. turn to pick. Yes. Yeah. What do you got? What do you got for us? Serve it to me. We are. I, well, we started off on a good note and, I, you know, we approach every movie with an open mind, but I, I feel like we're going to be taking a turn for the worse here. We are going back to the work of an Amon alum whose uh, work we had a real great time with the first time around. We are going to watch Hostel by Eli Roth. Dude, fuck you. I'm so upset. I have had a perverse fascination with this movie since it first came out in whatever fucking year. I've always wanted to see it, even though I know it's going to gross me out and I'm probably going to hate it. But I've never watched it because I'm like, this is probably going to gross me out and I'm probably going to hate it. And it's on Netflix now. So I'm like, all right. I'm going to going to sign it to myself. Going to sign myself the homework. So, hostile. Well, I've never watched it either. So. I've seen it. Oh, so it's, we'll see. It's it's probably what you think it is. <laughs> I, Ho- I hostile to, three you know. has also been on Netflix for a while before the original Hostel came on, and at some point I was thinking about picking that as a troll pick. But now that the original's on, I was like, all right, let's try it. Let's go. Let's go. All right. Well. Hopefully no one says the N-word in it. That's that's all I can hope for. I'm sure it'll be in good taste. <laughs> oh, yes. Eli Roth <laughs> is always in good taste. <laughs> all right. Well, that'll be in two weeks. We'll be watching Eli Roth, the master, the, the scholar of horror, Eli Roth, <laughs> will be... Uh, we'll be watching his hostel in two weeks. Um, and until then, you know where to find us. Like Patrick said earlier, catch us online. We love hearing from everybody and tell us what you thought of 122 or tell us what you think of hostel. Either way, it's all good. The choice is yours. We're done here. We'll see you in two weeks for every horror movie on Netflix. I'm Chris. <laughs> I like that. We're done here. I'm Patrick. I'm Steven. Goodbye. Goodbye.